there was a very slow buildup of running on the treadmill in the gym with okay. a lot of not even being able to make the mile and then passing out and then having to learn how to breathe. Uh, I was at the same time, this was at the local YMCA, uh, they were offering yoga classes. And so I was learning balance and breathing and how not to, um, what's the word, hyperventilate uh, and learning the symptoms of I'm starting to over oxygen and stuff like that and how to get those deep cleansing breaths and stuff like that. When I turned 40, for my 40th year, I budgeted myself one marathon every month. For my 40th year, I managed to do that. So now I'm 42, and it's been going into the third year of that. Uh, of course, now with COVID, we haven't had official marathons. And so I've dipped into some weird virtual marathons, you know, making my own marathon, flexing my own internal rules of what's permitted. Am I running at least 26 miles? Yeah, that's fine. It's safe to do. I say with all the male privilege I can, uh, but also it's a, it's a safe town where I live. You have more to worry about from the bears than you do from the people. Please expand, uh, sorry, the bears. There's bears on the trail. There's bears, there's foxes, there's coyotes, there's fisher cats, there's deer. Uh, have you been chased? Have you come across any of these on your run? Not often, but I have seen bears out while running. They're more scared of you. Hi, my name is Michelle Lewis. Ten years ago, you'd have been lucky to see me run to the end of the road. These days, running is second nature to me. From marathons to park runs to putting my own running group through their paces. You'll often see me in suitably loud attire, getting ready to pound the pavements. And here's a secret. If I can do it, you can too. There's so many wonderful and inspiring stories in the world of running. And not just running, some of my favourite tales involve those who take to their wheelchairs, bikes or simply their own trusty feet in an attempt to get fitter, faster or just have some fun. In this podcast, I'm going to be in conversation with some of the most inspiring and fascinating of these people. Remember, it's your time, your speed, your way. The only person you need to keep up with is yourself. And welcome back to the Running Tales podcast. Before we meet this week's guest, a quick word about the timing of this interview. It took place last weekend prior to the loosening of the lockdown restrictions in the UK. So, on with the show. On this week's podcast, we're going to meet a good friend of mine that I met in Seattle last year at the Seattle Marathon, and that's Eric Sioka. And I haven't seen him really for a year, but I've monitored him over Facebook. We've kept in contact. So let's introduce him and find out what Eric's been doing. But most importantly, what is Eric's running tell? Hi, Eric. Hi, how's it going? (laughs) Fine. So how is Northampton, USA? Oh, it's it's a ghost town right now. How are things over in Northampton, UK? We actually, you wouldn't think we're on a lockdown at the moment because um, from tomorrow, we're allowed six people um, socializing. But the UK seems to think, hey, they mean 12 people or 30 mm-hmm. people and let's start from Saturday or Friday night. So, yeah, it's a bit um, confusing over here. The rules are not very straight. And What have your restrictions been on uh, exercise and running? 
It was for a while, you know, one day of exercise, but they've relaxed that. I think the last week or two that we can go out now and as many times as we want and we're allowed to social distance one-to-one. So you can go running, but as long as you're two metres apart from the person from another household. So what's it like over there? You know, they've always uh, established that exercise is okay. And people have been using that as a loophole for their getting outside. Uh, Yes. Because exercise, well, because our gyms are closed, people don't know where to exercise. Yes. The majority of people don't know where to exercise. So we have our, uh, our bottlenecks of bike trails and parks and stuff like that that have been closed and then opened recently. Uh, and frequently you'll find people walking three or four abreast who all claim to be in the same household. Yes. They're probably not. But they're all friends and they don't care if they're spreading COVID to each other. Uh, and they'll be blocking the entire path and you have to make some noise as you dodge around them and try to stay six feet away, but it's not really possible if the whole path is only five feet wide. So how, have you had any restrictions like we had in the UK where it was once a day and we, we did tend to stick with that at the beginning. Did you have that in America? Um, I don't think it was ever formalized that we were limited to a certain amount per day. Uh, distance, if there were any distance restrictions, it was done on a probably city by city basis. Uh, we, we have so many layers of government that are controlling what we're doing. Uh, we had the big government, the federal government, and they would, the CDC, our federal uh, health control, would pass what they said were recommendations, but they had no teeth to them. So then it was up to the governors of the individual states to take those recommendations and formalize them into executive orders, which actually did have teeth because then they had the police to back them up. But then the individual towns and cities could also make them more stringent as necessary. So where we had in our town, some protection, not a lot. We didn't need to because it's not a huge town. Uh, where our friend Tina is uh, in Chicago, yes. that was on very much lockdown, where I think they were yes. limited, uh, what was it, two miles that they could exercise from their house. Uh, wow. They couldn't go very far. But that was only within the city because they were more of a hot spot for, for COVID than we were. So how, while we are talking about COVID and it has affected us with races, especially in the UK, but you and I were meant to do the same one in America. We're still waiting for the New York, um, mm-hmm. what they're going to say. Being honest, Eric, I won't be traveling over to America. I'm not getting on a plane this year, so I will not do New York, even if it goes ahead, because we, we're likely to have the two-week quarantine as well over oh, here right. if we did leave. But so I've already got it in my head. I'm not doing it. But if hoping to be deferred to next mm. year, you've you were very fortunate enough, should I say, at the beginning of the year or end of last year to be told you got in Chicago, you got into Boston, you got into New York, and then slowly you're seeing these races. Um, you know, get deferred. Um, we recently at the weekend in UK were like, wow, when Boston, 124 years, and now they're saying, no, nope, to 2020 scrapped, we're going to start again, 2021. How do you feel, you know, because you were ready to do three majors this year. How, how are you feeling right now? I'm deferring it deferring my hopes you know i'm hoping that they all get punted to next year and then next year i can have all the same excitement you know just one year later each one is its own thing 
Chicago was is relatively easier to qualify for, and that's pretty much just a money loss if it gets canceled. Because I feel like I can get into Chicago again next year if I need to. Do you, is the confidence because you're good for age? Because of the times you can get that you know that you can guarantee Chicago to get is, a place. Is, Chicago probably has an extra 20 to 25 minutes on what Boston has. And then okay. Boston has 15 minutes on New York. So it's half an, a half an hour, probably majority of an hour easier to get into Chicago than it is to get into New York. And Chicago's bigger, I think. I don't know by numbers, but Chicago seems a lot bigger. Um, no, well, it's is, not. It's New York. New York's the biggest marathon in the world, 50,000. Okay. But Chicago's it, getting there. It's even more compact when they're in New York because everybody's yeah. running down the narrow streets. <laughs> I think they include the spectators that are running as well. <laughs> so let's start with you, your running tale. Have you always been a runner? Tell us no. your history. Absolutely no? Not. No, I only started when I was in my mid 30s. Uh, oh. more out of spite because somebody was trying to get me to exercise and I didn't want to. So she dragged me by the hand and forced me to exercise a couple times and then got, did a couple races. Then I was running faster than her, which she didn't like. <laughs> She's a bit, she was a bit competitive. I'm, I'm not seeing this relationship lasting long, yes. <laughs> no. um, yeah, and then I started training on my own and now it's internalized. So and now I'm uh, early 40s. So it's only been, it's been less than a decade that I've been running. Wow. Been so what, like that's in America, you know, in your school and that, Northampton, where you're originally from? Where are you originally mm -hmm. from? Are you originally from Northampton? In well, I'm USA? from a, a small town called Westerly in southern Rhode Island. The smallest state, Little Rhodey. Little Rhodey. And so is sport a very big thing in your school growing up so you know was you always into other sports not just running i well okay my mom didn't allow me to pay, play competitive sports she was afraid i was going to injure myself uh okay. so track and field would have been an option but i was also asthmatic so uh, as part of our our pe class we had to do something which uh, most Americans will remember, I don't think that's still going on, it's called Presidential Physical Fitness. I think it was started by President uh, Ronald Reagan, where they established that all kids had to do, be able to do these minimum things in their gym class and challenge the kids to be able to run a 15-minute mile. And I remember every year being forced to do this 15-minute mile and being about three laps into the four on the track, and that 15-minute mark would hit, and the gym teacher would just be like, all right, just call it. You're done. Really? Oh, yeah. wow. Couldn't even walk a mile. Yeah, I wouldn't, I couldn't try. I didn't want to try. So what was the turning point when you did start running to think, hang on, I actually like this. I'm, I'm seeing rewards. Was it a mental? Was it a weight? Was it the competitiveness? What, what made you suddenly think, hang on, running, this is me? I think part of it was once I started getting competitive with the road races and not necessarily competing against other people, but seeing the camaraderie between runners. Uh, we have our local run group, the Sugarloaf Mountain Athletic Club, and they are very tight knit group. And once I saw them out and about doing their weekly cross country 5k and being supportive and having stories with each other and going out for a beer afterward, I was like, this, this sounds good. And the bar of entry to be able to get into it is membership dues, which is five bucks to hang out with these guys every year. 
you know, paying for them to be my friend. And I have to run every <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> oh, but they, no, but they're all beautiful know. people. I love all of them. <laughs> so, um, so you started racing straight away or was there a time scale from when you went from just running for yourself socially, no one knew you was running to joining the club and then doing races? What was the... There was a very slow buildup of running on the treadmill in the gym with okay. a lot of not even being able to make the mile and then passing out and then having to learn how to breathe. Uh, I was at the same time, this was at the local YMCA, uh, they were offering yoga classes. And so I was learning balance and breathing and how not to, um, what's the word, hyperventilate while yes. I was running. Uh, and learning the symptoms of I'm starting to over oxygen and stuff like that and how to get those deep cleansing breaths and stuff like that. And so I, even now when I'm bringing somebody out on a run, uh, I do sound kind of holistic when I'm being like, all right, deep breaths, you know, uh, because it was very important for me. Uh, I may still have asthma. I don't know, but it's not a problem anymore because I recognize the triggers. I know how to reset my breathing and just keep going again. Would you say running is a huge part or, and the yoga that's transformed your life with your asthma from 30 I would say, I would say definitely fitness-wise, uh, the running has contributed significantly to weight loss and also positive outlook. Learning the breathing, the balance has just made it possible to be able to do those things because I don't think that without changing the way that I'm body aware, you know, uh, without that change, I would not have been able to run a mile, let alone many miles that I do now. Yeah, yeah. I think we've all been there <laughs> from being totally unfit to then suddenly could run a mile. So I understand, totally <laughs> it's all, understand. It's all downhill from there. Yes. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> so um, tell us then, what has become your race distance? Oh. So you started with 5Ks. Obviously, mm -hmm. did you go up in America, you know, where you are? Did, is there many 10K races or, you know, did you go straight to half marathons, a marathon? What did you think? What were your steps? 10K is a surprisingly unpopular distance in America. Uh, or 5K is a very popular distance, we should say, because every charity can throw a 5K. And so that means okay. on any given weekend, when COVID isn't happening, you yes. can find uh, any number of 5Ks, uh, probably three within driving distance, probably a dozen uh, if I really want to go half an hour, you know, uh, just because a lot of them are some uh, school organization or some family organization or, you know, some bar wants to have, yeah. an used to have a drinking thing. And so they throw a run beforehand and then spend all afternoon drinking. Uh, it's easy to do. Everybody knows the distance and nobody's afraid of doing a 5K. A 10K is for runners. You can't throw a casual 10K. And they tend to be more adjunct things that happen every year, um, okay. regular races. And I think that once you start thinking that, if you've got the 10K, if you're going to invest in having the recurring race every year, why not make it a half? <laughs> is that what happened to you then? You then went to half... Very quickly. Yeah. Because you yeah. do a lot of 5Ks and you can probably pick up odd distances here and there. There are some races that they just, they're the distance that they are. You know, they pick two land points and it's point to point and they happen to be 
Um, there's one that's 6.9 miles because that's how far things are apart, you know? Yes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You, are, you do have unique distances. It's not just like here. We have like, the, we tend to have the 5K, the 10K, the half marathon, the marathon, and then we go ultra. But you don't, do you? <laughs> you have races in between the different distance, which yeah. keeps your mind going. And those ones, uh, they're regular. They're popular. And so it doesn't matter if they're 5Ks versus whatever. So what is your race? What is your racing distance? Marathon? Feeling, feeling comfortable, I would say it's a half marathon. Because okay. I feel with that distance... I don't need to think about, I don't need to think about uh, my digestive system, which is often a big problem when I'm running marathon or longer. I don't really have to think about what I'm doing the day before uh, with a caveat on that. Obviously I can't show up to a half marathon hungover or, yes. uh, you know, with a full stomach of Indian food or something like that. You know, uh, I do like spicy food, but not the day before a race, but with a half marathon, I can, feel like I can tumble out of bed and run a half marathon. No problem. Uh, marathon, there's definitely days that I have to plan ahead of time of how I'm going to prepare for it. on top of rest days, which I do do rest days for a half marathon also, but an actual marathon, I'll probably take, I don't know, three or four days just off completely beforehand to make sure that I'm ready for it. You are a marathon runner. You've done quite mm -hmm. a few. Like I said at the beginning, you've, you know, you were, your name was down on three majors this year in America. Mm -hmm. How many marathons have you done? And you are quite comfortable runner at marathons because I remember when you did Seattle and remember when we passed, you was on mile 23 and I was on mile 16 and you did it in like, was it three hours, 15 minutes if memory serves yeah. me correctly? So yeah. you, and you was quite comfortable. How many have you done? And is there a goal? Like over here, we have the 100 marathon club. Mm -hmm. So uh, part of getting older and fighting against my getting older, when I turned 40, for my 40th year, I budgeted myself one marathon every month. Okay. And for my 40th year, I managed to do that. Oh, and 12. put wow. a number of marathons under my belt like that and felt like I can keep this going. So now I'm 42 and it's been going into the third year of that. Uh, of course, now with COVID, we haven't had official marathons. And so I've dipped into some weird virtual marathons, you know, making my own marathon, flexing my own internal rules of what's permitted. Am I running at least 26 miles? Yeah, that's fine. Maybe I'm not doing it at competitive pace, but you know, the day, uh, the day that Boston was to happen, uh, it's, it's, it's a holiday in, in Massachusetts. So I had okay. the day off. I was planning to run that day anyway. So ran a marathon and, uh, got a virtual medal. So, uh, we ran a virtual marathon, but the medal that we got for it is, I don't know if you can see, this is a little COVID virus. Please, can you just take a picture of that so I can stick it on my Step Forward Lewis Facebook page so people can have a look at that Absolutely. after this is podcast. That is, that is the first COVID-19 running medal I have seen. That is funny. <laughs> that is, that is, but listening to you just say that, that on the day of your marathon, that you went out and did a marathon, I, I've heard that quite a lot in the UK with my running buddies here in, the, in Northampton alone. That it's, mentally, it's like, well, I've trained, I've been training. Why not just go out and do it? It seems to be so much more than the race itself. 
the miles seem to be it's a lot ritual. deeper. Yes. Mm-hmm. How are you coping? Obviously, not running the marathons at the moment. Yeah. How are you? You're running still. Like obviously today, we've had to work out the timings. It's like yeah. at the moment of recording, it's like nine thirty-seven in Northampton, UK. Was it four forty? Four thirty-seven in yeah. Northampton, yeah. USA. <laughs> we got a little late start to our run today, but we did manage to get fifteen miles in. So, to tell uh, us what your running week is like, because you do you do do a lot. One of you're one of my running friends that does do a lot of running during the week. Can you give people the, an idea of what your running week is? Well, so right now is not really a good example of what I would do comfortably. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, because of free time and because I've also uh, gotten into a number of mileage challenges with my friends. Uh, I've been doing, I've been expanding my comfort zone. So whereas before I would be 50 miles a week and I'd I'd feel great with that as far as my mileage. Uh, For most of April and all of May, it's been 110 miles a week. So, you know, doing a 20 mile day, doing a five miles in the morning and then doing 12 at night pretty much every day, you know. What is what is it? Is it the fact that you've got this competition? Are you a very competitive person that you've got this going on with your friends and you're like, I have to get that one mile more? From the very first week, uh, no, the second week, the first time that they posted the results, um, I knew I was going to lose it because I was already 50 miles behind the person that was in the lead. And wow. we are maintaining similar weekly mileages where neither of us can put in more miles if we tried. So I've got this 50 mile gap that I didn't account for. I was too lazy at the beginning, you know? And so I've just been in his heels the entire time. And so I know I'm going to lose, but I'm not going to let him win by more, you know? Okay, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So are you still working at the moment with all this? Have you been furloughed? Uh, I've been working from home. So I have been starting work early. Uh, and then I, they know 6 o'clock p.m., I'm out. And now because of the summer daylight savings, it's been a godsend. Uh, 6 to 8.30 now, I can run, not even, don't even need a light. If I bring yeah. my harness with me with my full running vest and light and head like that, I can go out you know, 9 p.m. comfortably. Um, at that point, I'm trying to stick to more major highways that have good bike lanes that yes. make me visible. Uh, but still it's safe to do. I say with all the male privilege I can, uh, but also it's a, it's a safe town where I live. Uh, you have more to worry about from the bears than you do from the people. Please expand. Uh, sorry, the bears. Yeah, Explain well, a bit more. There's bears on the trail. There's bears, there's foxes, there's coyotes, there's fisher cats, there's deer. Uh, have you been chased? Have you come across any of these on your run that have made you sped up? Not often, but I have seen bears out while running. They're more scared of you. Yes, yeah. Wow. So you're used to it. So um, when we were in Seattle together, your challenge at the time was you were going to, correct me if I'm wrong, you was going to run like, you wanted to run like every state or something? Or there was. Mm -hmm. Is it? that, That has gone into, thankfully, I did pick up three states at the beginning of the year. I had Phoenix, Arizona. Um, New Orleans, Louisiana, and then I went down to Little Rock, Arkansas. 
So on the average, I have to do four per year in order to get this 50 states before I turn 50. So that's and three of them that I got before COVID set in. And so can you explain to the listener what mm -hmm. the challenge is? Like, it's not, you're running every step, well, you want to run, and mm -hmm. I'm sure you are, but what is the distance, and is this a, an American or global thing to run every state in America, if you can explain a bit oh, more? So it's one marathon in every state. Oh, it's a marathon, uh, okay, yes. Yep. Marathon or longer. And are I these organized that, marathons or is it your own virtual marathon and you've got to prove have, it? They have to be organized. They have to have re recorded times that you can see somewhere on the internet because you need to be able to prove that you ran the marathon. Uh, I think that there's some sub rules of things about because some are point to point races could start in one state and end in another. Um, the Marine Corps marathon is largely running around Washington, D.C. Because you go by the Capitol building, you go by the Washington Monument, you see a lot of wow. great things in Washington, D.C. But Washington, D.C. is not a state. It is a district. So uh, American rallying cry, it has taxation without representation because they're not one of the 50 states. I think that they get honorary seats in the Senate, but they don't actually get to speak in the Senate, despite the fact that most of them are in Washington, D.C. because that's where the Senate is. Yeah, that's, yeah, okay, yeah. Um, but it's not alone. There's also, we've also got other commonwealths and stuff like that, like Puerto Rico and Guam and stuff like that, that aren't fully mm -hmm. on states. Uh, those ones don't count. But anyway, back to my point, uh, it starts at the Pentagon, which is in Arlington, Virginia. And it ends at the Pentagon in Arlington, Virginia. So technically this race counts as Virginia, even though 24 of the 26 miles are in Washington, DC, not Virginia. I was looking at a race that's called the Hatfield-McCoy Marathon that's named after the Hatfields and the McCoys famous feuding family from uh, deep in the Appalachian Mountains. And it starts in, I wanna say regular Virginia and ends in West Virginia, or maybe it might go West Virginia to Kentucky or something like that, but it's point to point. And you can run it twice and count it as one state and then count it as the other state. But when you run it once, you can't count it as both states. So these, say, are the, yeah. these are the, the very tight rules that you need to know ahead of time. Um, but 50 states, 50 marathons. How many are you at? 24. And so what time scale do you think, or are you aiming for, should I say? Being realistic, if COVID's lifted, let's be honest, this um, next year. Yeah. What? So if I can still do four per year, and I'm, I'm trying to do it before I'm 50. So I've got another seven years. You know, okay. I will do the remaining 28. I'll probably get a little eager and do some of them a little more rapid than that. The, so uh, running them competitively is a whole separate thing. A lot of people who are in this club are doing this more like sightseers. And you can sign up to the New England Challenge, which will be the six states of New England and you have six marathons in six days, but these are loop-based marathons, so two-mile loops, and you get 14 hours to complete it. And then the next day you do the same thing, next day you do the same thing in a different state. And then by the end of the week, you have all six New England states under your belt. You know, and that does- That would be, that if that was in the UK, because we, we have similar challenges, that would be so popular. Is, are these type of things popular in America? They are. They're popular. They're popular within the run groups, uh, but not popular in the same way that like the Boston Marathon is. There's, it's not spectator popular, but it's popular among people who want to do 
destination runs or okay. multiple runs uh, with taking one flight out to New England. Say that you're from somewhere on the West Coast. You take one flight out to New England and then all the states are driving distance to each other and then one flight back and you've got six, six more states under your belt. Wow. I've got the reverse problem with being in New England. All six states are within driving distance. And I had already completed all six states um, just by running marathons, you know, not even thinking about it. And now trying to pop out more states that are out west, you can't conceivably accidentally drive to another state if you're in Iowa or Wyoming or something like that, because it takes you 16 hours to get from state to state. Whoa. It's, not, it's not a day trip like it is no. here. No. And you tend to do a lot of flying, don't you, than driving when you're booking your marathons What I need to, yeah. I'll do the, um, east, the eastern seaboard, probably about as far down as Delaware. Uh, it's about an eight-hour drive. It's about as far as I'd go. Otherwise, I'd, I'd try to fly. You, we've talked a lot about the marathons. Have you ever done an ultra? I have, yeah. Yeah. Actually, just this past weekend, we have a uh, a path that is a converted rail trail in Connecticut that goes from the Massachusetts border all the way down to the ocean with a couple breaks because they couldn't quite complete the path, but within uh, a certain degree, I would say like 95% of it is smooth, nicely maintained, gradual trail. Uh, 56 miles, point to point and completed the entire height of the state of Connecticut. So 56 miles, I didn't do it for speed. I did it for camaraderie. I ran with a number of my friends. Uh, there's a, another challenge that's in Connecticut that's 169 towns in Connecticut and 169 races in Connecticut. And those can go anything as low as one mile. Those ones are not all marathons, uh, but it's a very lively group with a bunch of people who really feel like family and we yes. haven't seen each other for months because there haven't been any formal races. And a number of us have been, since we're not actual family, uh, we can't group run with each other. You know, that would be breaking quarantine. So now the, it's starting to lift a little bit. And so last weekend when I was doing this run by myself to go from the top of Connecticut to the bottom of Connecticut, got the people from 169 to come in and meet me and run a couple miles with me and bring me water and stuff like that. And in the middle, there was huge group of people who all ran and then we had some beers and then I took off and did the rest of my thing. It was so good to see them again, you know? Yes. <laughs> uh, I, I know what you mean. I saw some runners today, but weren't running, but it was just so good just to say hello. And mm -hmm. see Even people. if it's saw... from six feet away. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you've done ultras. Tell us more about some of the funny races the names, what they are in America. Oh, okay. Um, let's see, funny in content or funny by name? Content. Content. Uh, so for the short ones, uh, among pub runs, we've got some uh, intermediate drinking while running races. I know that a lot of pub runs, you drink when you're done, but these ones are 5K, five beers. Every kilometer. Oh, no, no. Stop, We've got them here. in the UK. We've got okay. them in the UK. Yes. Okay. These ones are always not sanctioned because there's no way the town would approve of these. Uh, <laughs> roads are not shut down. There's not police at any intersections. And it's amazing that nobody has died at them. 
Oh, we've also got, um, I've noticed, and I have entered one last year for this year in September, a wine run so for wine uh -huh. every, every kilometre. It's only five kilometres. So <laughs> I'll be surprised if it still goes ahead. So, yeah, we still have them. But you have some funny name ones as well. I remember in Seattle you were telling me about some race names. Mm. I can't think of any you... off the top of my head. Uh, oh, there's like a hamster wheel. That one's a good, I think it's a one mile loop. Maybe it might be more than that, but it's an ultra. Snack attack was one that we did recently where you had to stop and eat uh, Rice Krispie treats in the middle of the race. Uh, oh, okay, I wouldn't complain about that. Well, yeah, but you're trying to choke down Rice Krispie treat in the middle of the, and trying to get speed while you're doing it. You're not allowed to, you know, true beer mile style. You're not allowed to leave the staging area until you can show that your mouth is empty. So trying to choke down the entirety of some dry cookie so that you can start running again, it's, it's a lot of pressure. <laughs> I'm surprised that um, you've, you would enter something like that because even um, when we were in Seattle, remember when we were shopping before the marathon and there's particular foods, which one of them, the whole nut peanut butter. Remember that jar you said? Love nutter. We I've had it every yeah. We have it over here. When I came back, oh, you found and it, and I went shopping. We have it, and we've not got back. We've not. We have it. It's always in our shopping list. Now, is it the actual fluff brand, or is it Jet Puff by Kraft, or so is this it... this brand marshmallow fluff. No, no, it's not that. It okay. was the one, remember in the glass jar that you... Ah, uh, Jet, jet Puff. And I you think. said that it had no palm oil in it. Oh, well, that was the, that was the peanut butter. Had to yeah, make yeah, sure that the peanut, peanut butter, butter didn't have any yes. palm oil on it. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes, I'm very particular, particular about local brands that I go for. This, this particular brand, Marshmallow Fluff, is one of the first. Uh, it's actually an uh, Italian meringue if you're looking for something that's similar to it or want to make something that's similar to it. It was invented in Cambridge, Massachusetts or Somerville, Massachusetts. And every year they have a what the fluff festival as they call it, uh, <laughs> where there's kids, they'll pre-make the peanut butter and fluff sandwiches. They put them into Ziploc bags and sell them to you, you know, dollar a piece, three of them for $2. And they'll have uh, street vendors who are making inspired dishes with this marshmallow drinks that are made with this marshmallow uh it's a very sickly afternoon you it sounds like it with a, with a bellyache but but it's so much fun high energy from the sugar true true <laughs> but you touched on it earlier as well and you surprised me that before when we um before the marathon mm -hmm. you you don't eat much do you you eat quite light because you like well, to start was... a marathon but before the marathon, oh, yes. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the day before, I have been trying to do more fasting, or if I do, then I'll eat foods that are easily digestible, which includes the marshmallow because that's sugar passes right through the body. The uh, peanut butter for protein uh, and oil again breaks down, and then banana uh, because potassium, you know, yes, uh, regulate your blood pressure and um, cramps and stuff like that. And then the absolute worst white bread that you can find because that also is, it's sponge sugar. It's basically, uh, do, you, do you call it fairy, fairy floss over there? Cotton candy? Cotton candy, yeah. Cotton candy, okay. Floss. Um, it's basically yeah. cotton candy with crust. 
okay <laughs> i love it i love it but now it's it's with you i did learn a lot about food nutrition and that's something I, I thank you for because i have carried that on since seattle and mm -hmm. it has helped it has helped a lot so have you changed uh, your, your pre-game diet at all or um yes in a sense you know i do eat a le less and I, I find that I do have a better race. Mm -hmm. um, but I do need to eat something, especially if it's a marathon or a long distance from a half onwards. Um, the last race I did before COVID hit us, you know, we got locked down the week before was um, what's called Oundle 20 miles. And it was all, it was very hilly. And mm -hmm. being honest, when it got to mile 13, I did need to have something because I was working longer and I was, I've started to feel tired and right. and then once I had to pick me up, I was fine. But I, I find by eating a lot less, not what, doing what I was doing before, filling up on a lot, of, a lot of pasta, thinking, yeah, eat as much as I want, skip breakfast in the morning because I'm, I'm one of those people I cannot eat before a race. Mm -hmm. uh, you you do don't you 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 have a bit well it's usually one more fluffernut sandwich it's never anything yeah. heavy never anything risky maybe a banana uh a bunch of water and yeah off i go yeah uh, i'm the same and then after the race as you know <laughs> pick out everything <laughs> everything and anything <laughs> so, so um obviously not a good time at the moment because you know, we're not as social with our friends, you know, we can't even hug and mm -hmm. can't make plans. How are you coping mentally? I'm getting by. I've been splitting my uh, my quarantine time. Again, the, the rules here for quarantine, uh, since they are on a state-by-state -state basis, um, they're very difficult to enforce and not a lot of them have teeth. So travel interstate is questionable. Uh, so going to visit my mom, again, she lives in Rhode Island, uh, Rhode Island being the smallest state and only having three or four major roads that go in or out of it, they posted the National Guard at each major entrance and were really trying to lock down the state. Uh, there were a couple of weeks that I was afraid I wasn't going to be able to get in to see my mom. When you got to the, to the National Guard, they would give you a strict regime for your quarantine, enforced two-week quarantine. Uh, and they would take your name and number and make sure that you were in for those two weeks. Um, I did manage to still get to see my mom because I knew some of the back roads and I was able to slip past them and not give official quarantine. And I was gone later that day anyway. So really, if I was a vector, it was mostly to my mom who is homebound. So there was reason yes. to go visit her and uh, bring her food and stuff like that. Uh, so that interstate travel got to be difficult. I have been traveling between uh, my house in Massachusetts to my girlfriend's apartment down in Connecticut, which is about a 60 mile difference, uh, but does involve interstate travel. And so there are questions that sometimes that maybe coming back home, I should be quarantining, but I'm not seeing anybody when I'm back at home. When I go back home to my apartment, I'm staying by myself. I'm normally a somewhat social person in that I would host a weekly movie night, but that's gone the wayside. And we've been doing that virtually over Zoom instead. Can uh, I just stop you there? I'll stop you there. Please mm -hmm. tell everyone, because I when I told my friends and that back here, mm -hmm. explain your movie night. I thought that was hilarious. So it's an intentionally bad movie night. 
where we choose the worst movies that we can find, although we've started carving out because we, they can only be so bad while still being watchable. Yes. Uh, so everybody will say, have you watched such and such? Have you watched such and such? Yes, there are, you know, bad movies, especially from the 90s and early 2000s that people instantly grab onto. There are bad children's movies with talking animals. Uh, we have a rule, no talking animal movies, just because they are bad, but they are also really boring. <laughs> talking animals are, get to be annoyed at, at the second hour. But other than that, I like over-the-top action films. But I won't force that onto people every week because I know that they don't want to watch that every week. We have a number of people who, I don't know if you have Lifetime as a, a channel over there, um, Hallmark or something like that. They're very heartfelt dramas. A lot of uh, come home for Christmas type of movies. Yes. Or, feel good. Uh, feel good. But yeah. Things that are uh, romance novels that have been brought to big screen minus the saucy bits. Yes, okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so those movies are always big wins with uh, especially the, the women in the crowd and the guys will just watch it uncomfortably. Uh, this progressed to watching Fifty Shades of Grey in mixed company among friends, which was probably about the peak uncomfortableness that we've gotten to. <laughs> <laughs> so I know you've been doing this for donkeys, but have you found, I know with myself, you know, I've been setting up quizzes and just chit chat, virtual drinks with my friends um, mm -hmm. who tend to be mainly running buddies as well. I'm quite fortunate in that department. Have you been doing that over there, you know, with your running buddies? What's, because you, you've not been able to get together as much, you know, up until recently. Have you been using the internet online to keep in touch? Sure. So we recently started a Thursday night meetup among our friends who would normally be in a Thursday night run. Uh, the Thursday night run is seasonal. So towards the beginning of COVID, it was still the off season and we weren't missing each other yet. But then once the weather turned warmer and once daylight savings started and we got to feel, hey, we would be out running right now, we realized that we were all missing each other. And so we started doing a weekly call that, you know, we go out and do our run beforehand. We talk very momentarily about the run and then we devolve to talking about what beer we're drinking. And, and beer we'll comes up a lot in our conversation, Eric. <laughs> it's what I do. <laughs> it is, it is. So to end this podcast, I'm going to ask you, like, what tips would you give someone thinking of starting running? Starting from scratch? Yes. Be prepared to buy an extra pair of shoes. Whatever you start with, you're going to find that it's not going to be the right shoe. And... Don't think that the more expensive shoe is the better shoe. Um, getting a good fitting from somebody who knows what they're talking about goes a long way. And then even after you get started, you might find that you are more comfortable with something else. I started wearing normal trainers, uh, you know, which aren't good for much of anything, uh, but then found afterward that I was able to adapt to the minimal zero drop uh, shoe very it felt natural you know and it was I, it was the fad of the time but then i went all in on it and had to buy all new shoes because now i can't run in anything that's got any sort of angle to it you uh, found your shoe i found i'm my still shoe. i'm still trying to find my shoe after six years 
still cannot find the perfect shoe. But you're but you're experimenting, right? Yes, yes, yes. And I'll, I'll try to expense. People think that with running, they're just like you don't need anything. You know, uh, you need to get new shoes. You have to be not afraid to spend money on shoes. Uh, don't be afraid of buying gear if you need it. A good lights will go a long way. Um, some manner of running belts or pack that will be able to uh, carry your stuff with you. You'll find that you use it a lot more than you think. Comfortable shirts, you know. Uh, Chaffing. <laughs> yes. Bleeding nipples and <laughs> under the arm. <laughs> yes, Just, I mean, I see so many people that they're wearing the shirt from the race that they love, but it's a thin cotton shirt and it's, I'm so glad that you ran that race. I'm so glad that you love it, but you've got pit stains and blood and look gross, try something that's wicking, you know? <laughs> Switch to a tank top, promise nobody is judging you for it, you know? Oh, now Eric, I tell you, if we are doing New York together, make sure that we meet up, because, you know. I hope everything is deferred to next year and I'll be able to see you in 2021. Thanks to Eric for joining me. I really hope we can catch up in New York next year for a run. I was struck again how a runner as committed as Eric, who is currently running more than 100 miles a week and wants to run a marathon in every American state, didn't start running until later in life. It's been the same story with almost every one of my guests so far on Running Tales podcast. And I hope you find these stories of people achieving incredible things in the running world as inspirational as I do. I'd love to know what you thought of my chat with Eric. You can let me know your views on my social channels for Step Forward Lewis. We're on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and Instagram. And please remember to leave a rating or a review if you are listening on Apple Podcasts. It really does help us reach more people. Thanks for joining Eric and I and I look forward to seeing you again next week.